Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Uh, Thank you, as always, for joining us tonight. Uh, Tonight, in the first uh, two segments, we're going to be talking to Nan Baker. She's a member of the Cuyahoga County Council, and she comes with us once a month and tells us what's going on at the county level. Nan, thank you for joining us. Yes, it's uh, always a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Nick, for inviting me. Well, my pleasure, and we really tick off the months very quickly. Seems like you were just on, but it's over a month, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm fine. (laughs) Well, for the update with the county, uh, what's going on? And I'm going over my notes from last time. Progressive Field, a lot of money, a lot of money being spent. What's happened? Where are we? Well, we've had uh, three committee meetings, the executive has proposed to us his negotiations with Progressive Field, and then it was now our responsibility to review that negotiations and see if we agree, if we wanted to make changes, uh, ask questions, make sure that we thoroughly understand what's been negotiated. Really, according to the executive, they've been talking for quite a while, a year or more, on uh, trying to put this together. So it finally came um, to us, and the people from Progressive Field gave us an overview of what they feel are the economic um, drivers for Cuyahoga County and to continue with Progressive Field and then also our own um, gateway that manages uh, Progressive Field along with uh, the, the um, Rocket Mortgage, gave us his um, his overview and just lots of questions um, trying to understand how they put this package together. Um, the bottom line, though, is that the cost of the deal is about $435 million. Uh, and to break that down a little, $138 million is coming from the county. $117 million is coming from the city of Cleveland. The state of Ohio, Governor DeWine, has uh, pledged $30 million. And, of course, Progressive Field is putting in their own dollars of $150 million, and they will pay for any cost overruns. So, as you can see, it is a shared effort in trying to put this together and keep, really, the Guardians here playing baseball up and through year 2036 uh, is the new lease agreement once this is signed. And it will not be signed until the city of Cleveland, who has not yet agreed, and the state of Ohio has not yet legislated that they would bring forth these dollars. But it's it's moving in that direction. They're certainly working hard on it. Well, you're to be commended for using the term guardians, because I actually forgot about that until you mentioned it. Yes, uh, I'm getting used to it. After we've been through (laughs) this huge process, we were corrected quite a few times, so I'm getting more comfortable with it. So you're more comfortable. Well, thank you for reminding me because it sounded so fluid when you mentioned it. Um, yes. For the county, $138 million, is that payable all at one time, or how many years will that no. be spread out? It's spread out over the course of the lease, so it'll be spread out over the next, it's actually 13 years, not 15 years, because two years were already into the lease. It's a little complicated, but it'll be um, paid over the course of the lease, uh, $2.5 million a year, I believe, is what um, will be given, along with other dollars that have been taken from the bed tax and the sin tax that is already uh, in place that gets put toward 
that uh, those dollars. So it sounds so like no no new taxes. Is that that correct? Uh, no, no new taxes. Um, this is all being paid for what we already have uh, within the budget. It's just uh, we will be bonding out the 138 million and then paying it back that way. But we will not have to increase any taxes in order to pay for it. With the uh, the new progressive field and the uh, the Cleveland Guardians, our new Major League Baseball team, which is really our old Major League Baseball team, uh, wanting to get more people into the stadium, more people like families getting in. Uh, you and I had a chat. You mentioned something to me about a, a family plan that we can look forward to. Tell us about that. Yeah. How, how did that come about? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, you know, I as we go through this these deliberations, I said, you know, we're we're moving towards it looked like a time when we will be voting on it. And each time that the um, progressive field executives came for us and talked about it, I said, well, what about the ticket price? I said, you know, especially for families, it's really, you can have all the great things that you offer, all this great seating and it's going to be all updated and you have a clubhouse for kids and all that sounds wonderful. But if they can't afford to walk in the door, They'll never know what it is to be part of the ball game experience. So I said, as I thank you back for this investment in Progressive Field, maybe there's something we can do to um, reduce the family ticket prices so that a family can enjoy walking into the base into a baseball game, a home game perhaps on Sundays. So they came back and the second time and gave us a proposal, but didn't really nail anything down. This is what we're thinking we're going to do. And next spring, we'll come back with a proposal. And I said, well, you know, the deal is now, <laughs> not next spring. I would really like to know what you're going to do for families to get, encourage them to come to a ball game and enjoy the uh, the love of the game, as I called it. Mm-hmm. And so the third time they came back, they did come back with a family ticket price, which I think is very fair. It's a family of four will pay $80, and they get $40 of that money towards food. So in essence, $10 a seat plus $10 to pay for something to eat. And I looked up the prices of what it costs for a hot dog or hamburger and a soft drink, and you can get that under $10. So I thought that that was fair. They also can use all of the children's sports, um, uh, obstacle courses that they have there. They call it the clubhouse. There's a lot of things for kids to do because they don't always sit still. But um, I thought that was a, a very fair offering that they have never offered before. And a family of four, if it's a family of five, it's $20 more. If it's a family of three, it's $20 less. And it's any combination of a family. Grandma and grandpa can bring their, their grandkids or aunts and uncles can bring their niece and nephews, or any combination that has at least one child, 18 or younger, can come to the ball field and take advantage of these prices. So well, I was pleased with that, and I hope we look forward to going. Well, yeah, it sounds like that's probably a lot cheaper than it is now or, or what it's been in the past seasons, has it not? Actually, further reduction, yeah. big plan. Usually, yeah, a family of four or five would probably pay Oh, probably 150 to 200 by the time they got their seats and bought their meals. And, um, yeah, it, it definitely is a reduction in price 
I think that for a Sunday afternoon, which is this is just for Sunday home games, it's a nice thing, uh, an impulsive perhaps uh, event that a family can say, let's just go to the ball game. It includes lunch and, uh, you know, for $80, we can have a whole afternoon and enjoy the game. So, yes, it is considerably less. When's the first time the county's going to have to put out money for this? Uh, next year or? Uh, next year. It would be 20, uh, 2022 is when this deal will be signed this year and starts next year. Will the changes uh, with the ballpark uh, stop uh, the, the ball games or they'll be able to do construction off season before the games are being played again? Or what do we That's right. So they're, they're anticipating that they're going to get to the places first where, where fans would be seated and use the areas. Um, so things like, uh, let's see, I have, um, they're doing renovations of the, the uh, field terraces, the upper deck, uh, the dugout fan area. They're modernizing the clubhouse and the service level. So those type of things that you, that fans are, that see should be finished by the time the season starts. Well, or getting, at least, yeah. Well, it was getting our first uh, snow here in Cleveland, uh, looking forward to a winter. Uh, it's <laughs> right. even, even better looking forward to spring and summer uh, coming up and, and seeing what happens. We're talking to Nan Baker, a member of the Cuyahoga <laughs> County Council. We're going to be back with Nan after these words. We're going to take a short break. Don't go away. We'll be back after these words. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. Uh, tonight we're talking to Nan Baker about Cuyahoga County's budget and all the activities the county government is doing. Nan's a member of the Cuyahoga County uh, Council and comes with us once a month and tells us what's going on in the county. Nan, as always, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. And Nick, if I may, the um, I want to make one correction. The renovations for Progressive Field, people may not see that next year in there when they visit the ball field because it'll be under the um, design stage, but it'll be started and completed 2023 through 2025. I didn't want people to think they're going to go to a ball game next year and see all these great changes. It may take a year or year and a half from the time that they get started first of the year. Well, at least we won't be stepping over all kinds of construction stuff when we're there. At least right. For the uh, 20, 2022 season. Hard to believe it's yes. 2022 already. I, I, know, I, know. I have to pinch I myself when I look at that. Uh, I remember when Progressive Field was started <laughs> and yes, when it was it uh, open for the first year. I um, know. It is. Time has passed. Well, well, talking about money for Progressive Fields, one thing, but uh, I know you've been going through a vigorous budgeting process for 2022-2023 for the county. How's that going? It's uh, it's going well. We had uh, every director come before us and give us what they feel their budget should be for 2022 and 2023. And, um, you know, it's been a, a very detailed, long process. We've probably spent Oh, many, many hours listening to all of the directors. But we have come to a point now where we are ready to um, put our our um, our votes together and probably pass it, if not this next Tuesday, the following uh, Tuesday, for um, to support the budget. 
I will say, though, that we have some differences with the executive in what we feel um, should be covered, especially as it comes to vacancies. We've had some, as we know in the past on your show, we've talked about some of the um, shortages for correction officers in the jails and social workers in the health and human services, and we want to make sure that there are enough opportunities if they, if we have people that want to come and be correction officers, that we don't shortchange how many vacancies that we want to fill. Is, so there, a is, there a hi- is there a hiring freeze on or something? No, but there's not enough. Uh, the executive did not put enough dollars in the budget to cover it, and um, we are kind of at a difference of opinion as to how much should be allowed in the vacancies. Of course, vacancies that aren't filled and never will be filled should be eliminated from the budget. But in areas where it's very sensitive as to making sure that we fill as much as we can, of course, like everywhere else, employment has been a problem. But uh, in areas that are very uh, critical, we want to put more vacancy, the opportunity to fill vacancies for our directors instead of having them come back and then out go outside of their budget and ask for more money. That just doesn't seem like a good way to budget. Well, no, but, bud- uh, budgets are supposed to be realistic and necessary, right? That's right. So we, uh, we are planning to uh, offer some amendments on Tuesday to change what we think that budget should look like um, and, you know, go from there. But overall, we have about a $500 million dollar general fund uh, for 2022 and the same uh, for 2023. So it is a a healthy budget. And outside of that, which is not included in those numbers, is the uh, American Rescue Plan that we will be giving another $240 million over two years, $120 million a year that can be spent on specific things. And we haven't even gotten into that yet. Well, that would be so, that'd be new money that's not forecast in the budget. What kind of things? Right. What kind of things have we been putting off that we might be able to use this money with? Well, you know, there's uh, a lot. You know, whenever there's an excess of money, which is and I'm, this is historic. We've never had. Usually, we're trying to crunch numbers and make everything work. Right. And now we've got an excess of money and trying to figure out with deadlines of when we need to spend it by. So we've been, you know, we really haven't dug too deep yet. The, after we get past this budget, that will be the next order of discussion. Um, but it's uh, it, sh- it should be interesting. I know the executive has had a few town hall meetings trying to get input from people to ask, talking to our cities, finding out, you know, what's important to them. And then we will put together a, a list of what, uh, we should be spending this money on and the best use of it. But we haven't really gotten into those discussions yet. It'll be a 2022, I'm sure, um, deliberation. Topic. Is there any uh, prime candidate you would like to see uh, addressed uh, during the 2022 discussions? Well, I know that, and outside of this money, I know that the a priority for us is to continue our discussions with the jail. Uh, we've been talking about that, and unfortunately, the jail population is back to increasing, and uh, that is concerning because it really dictates how big the jail should be. A lot of uh, measures have been put in place as to um, uh, whether the, the diversion center, which we can talk a little bit about, 
will help the, the jail population of putting people there instead of in jail if they have misdemeanors and, and they need, you know, mental health assistance or drug assistance uh, into some uh, some of the programs. So there's uh, a lot of efforts being placed as to mm-hmm. what we can do to that jail population, but dollars like that is what will be up front and center also. We're talking so about hundred, hundreds of millions, right? Yes. Uh, workforce training, you know, is always a big one of mine, trying to make sure that we keep uh, people working and encourage businesses to come to Cuyahoga County. What incentives can we offer? That's all on the table. Um, lots of things. I mean, it, it, like I said, it's historic that we have these discussions right now. It's not typically what uh, we have in front of us when we're trying to manage government money. It's usually a lack of money. And what can we not do? Uh, what is most important? Well, we'll look, we'll look for some catch up uh, coming up next year with this extra money. Uh, going That's back right. to going back to the jail, you mentioned something interesting that the jail population is going up. Uh, what What's the cause of that? Is it seasonal? It's getting cold. So uh, people are committing more crimes yeah. or what, what's going on? Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not really sure. I know we're we're asking our judges to really, you know, try and make sure that they're jailing those that really need to be jailed and that they understand the difference of those that need help versus those that need to be jailed. Uh, also, the um, paying your your bond, uh, those that can't afford it tend to stay in jail and not others that can aren't. So we there is a... Um, an equity issue there that is also being addressed. But it's, um, you know, we talk to the sheriff about it all the time. Why is it that the that it's going up? And he just says crime is going up. He just, you know, he doesn't really have a, a solid answer, except that that is what it is, and we have to jail those that need to be jailed, and population goes up, um, need to keep people safe. And that's pretty much his answer. See, when we did, question him, did he happen to share the the kinds of crimes that are are causing this influx? Or are we in danger with an upswing in time in crimes? Um, yeah. Well, no, I don't think it's anything that's unusual. It's just more of the same. I don't think that it's uh, you know anything that is more than you know. Or an, it's just it's just crime. It's just break-ins and you know and, and looting and. Um, yeah, it's just you're mostly in, in the urban center. No no big um, spike of one particular crime over another then. No, um, I know our, our medical examiner also came before us with his budget, which gave us an opportunity to ask him, and he is very uh, concerned about the uptick also in addiction. Uh, so that also leads to crime, and I think they they go hand in hand. So it all it all fits when you talk about the diversion center and the jail population and the opiate crisis. Uh, it really does. It is one big picture of what it is that we need to do and understand in order to solve many of the issues that we're dealing with. You, you mentioned uh, diversion. Can you refresh our memory as to what the diversion program is, the diversion court, and whether it's in place yet? And if so, are we seeing any? Uh, consequences from that? Yes, the Oriana House in Cleveland opened up in May, and the it's the first time that that has really, that we've had a diversion center. 
So it's, you know, we're breaking new ground. And the theory at first was that a police officer who is about to arrest someone who is a low misdemeanor, uh, nonviolent, ready to jail him and send him through that process, can make a decision at that point, calling the diversion center and giving him and them an, an idea of who it is that they would like to end, bring to the diversion center. And if they say, yes, he's a good candidate for that, they will take them there instead of taking them to jail. And that it's a 50 bed public place for those that the police officer makes that assessment to start the process of taking that person to the diversion center. Recently, we've had a change where it not only can be the decision of the officer and the diversion center, but also can be done now by a family member or uh, any individual that is in need of mental health uh, assistance or has a substance abuse can also enter the diversion center. So we have expanded its use um, really because we, one of the reasons is we don't have enough of the officers sending people over. You know, some of the crimes are higher level crimes and we're not filling those beds. So they expanded it, and uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens as people become more accustomed to it. Nan Baker, right. thank you so much for giving us an update. We'll see you, uh, or at least talk to you. This is radio. We won't see you. We'll talk to you next uh, next month about what's going on with the county, and uh, we, right. we appreciate your input. Thank you. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Likewise, and thank you. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, the Advocate. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. In the uh, next two segments, we're going to be talking about one of the hidden treasures here in Cuyahoga County, hidden to us who don't go to the library very often, and that is the County Library. Tonight, we have Lane Edwards from the Cuyahoga County Libraries to tell us about what the library is now offering. Lane, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you very much for having me. Well, it's a pleasure having you here. Uh, the library, but I haven't been in a library for a long time because uh, I do everything on the computer. But uh, you and I talked recently. There was a lot going on at the at the library, and you're at the Cuyahoga County Library, is that right? That's correct. I work at the North Royalton branch of the Cuyahoga County Public Library. Uh, tell us about the uh, Cuyahoga County Public Library. How many branches are there, and what? Uh, uh, how widespread is it? And how long have they been around? Yes, um, we we are 27 branches. Um, we are about to celebrate our 100th anniversary next year. So we'll be 100 years old next year when um, the county library first started and um, got moving. And now we've grown to 27 branches um, throughout the county, serving over 40 communities. And um, really, we went through a big um master uh, facilities plan um, not too long ago. So a lot of new buildings with new spaces, um, hopefully inviting people in to um, experience the library again. A lot of people like you haven't been in in a while, and um, we're certainly 
evolving our services um, to meet those changing needs all the time. When, when I was a child and went to the library, uh, the library consisted mostly of shelves and shelves of books, the Dewey Decimal System to help us navigate a, a card system, and yep. uh, magazines and periodicals. And that was about it. Uh, the library has certainly changed. Uh, do we still have books in the library and the Dewey Decimal System? Is that still alive for some of us old fossils here? <laughs> the books in Dewey are still alive and well, yes. Oh, my goodness, but there's so much more that's being offered. Uh, I, I have a list of the different things that the library has to offer and that I wanted to share with everyone tonight. Uh, first thing on the list is digital navigators. What what are they and, and how are they available to people? Yeah, thanks. Um, so what we, what we found, um, especially um, during when the pandemic first started in March, was how much the digital divide, which we thought was sort of um, decreasing with the advent of, you know, smart devices, the iPhone, the Android phone, whatever. Um, but when people were um, not able to go to school and not able to go to work and they were at home, there was a great need for um, broadband service. Um, device that wasn't a phone because although our phones are fantastic and we can do a lot of things with them, you can't do everything with them. And at some point you do need um, a desktop or a laptop computer. So out of that, out of finding out that people really do need those broadband services, and unfortunately Cuyahoga County is um, not great with the number of people that don't have access to broadband service at their home, um, Working with the Cleveland Foundation, um, we um, developed these digital navigators that can meet one-on-one -on -one with people and help them navigate uh, something they're working on on the computer or something like that. But also for those questions of how do I get the, uh, broadband into my house? How much broadband do I really need? Because you know you can get a gig of broadband, but maybe you don't need that much in the budget doesn't afford that much and you can get what you need and um, what kind of device do I need I, I, I you know a lot of people they just were trying to file for unemployment and it was difficult on their phone but on a desktop it was fine and we know there's other things that you need to do that um, a little clunky on the phone and if you had a desktop computer or a laptop it would be a lot easier so the digital navigators can help talk through that as well and we're working with PCs for people so um, low-cost devices if that's what they're after, but if they just want to go over to their local store or order something online, the navigators can help with that too and sort of give that roadmap so that they can um, be in a better place as far as digitally goes and with Internet service. Um, we're, we're really excited oh, uh, to launch it. So digital navigator actually is a person you can talk to, is that right? That's correct. One-on-one um, -on -one help. You can make an appointment. Um, they're not stationed at any one particular library, but they will move around. So if you give if you give us a call and make an appointment with a digital navigator, you know they'll they'll meet you at your local branch at that uh, certain date and time. So you to to run into a digital navigator and have that experience, you call your local branch and schedule something uh, sometime and method of communicating. Do you do that by telephone and uh, live or how do you do that? 
Um, sure. So, um, you, you know, you can go to our website, CuyahogaLibrary.org, and schedule an appointment online. You can call the branch. We always love hearing from you, and um, we will make that appointment happen. You can also call them directly um, at 216-749-9420, and that will get you right to the navigators. And, um, of course, if they're not in the office, you can leave a voicemail, and they'll come right back with you and uh, get an appointment date and time. Now, now, the big thing is this is all free, right? Correct. Um, we, of course, work through the with the Cleveland Foundation, and um, this is no cost. And we're hoping that's part of the uh, appeal. You know, there's not any pressure to buy a device. There's not any pressure to sign up for um, broadband services. This is a conversation that we're helping you um, or the person who's with the navigator um, feel more comfortable buying that broadband service, buying that device. You know what you're talking about when you go in. You're just not overwhelmed. Well, now, for people who don't have broadband service, you also offer an emergency broadband benefit program. What is that? Yeah, so the emergency broadband benefit program helps reduce the cost of um, the broadband service to the home, and that's one of the things that digital navigators will go through with you determine eligibility, help you um, find the plans that are eligible through the different providers in the area so that you are going and getting your best rate. So if you are eligible for that um, discounted rate, um, we want you to be able to get that. You know, other, there's so many services you guys offer. I want to sort of move through these. Uh, Aspire Greater Cleveland is a program concerning educational qualifications, GED and ESOL. Uh, what are those programs, and uh, again, how does that help people? Sure. So, um, you know, a lot of the things that um, we always hear are about the library is our convenient hours. Um, and, of course, we have the books and computers and things like that. But we're really finding that we are convenient places in the community for classes such as GED and ESOL. Um, there are so many people who aren't able to get a job because they don't have their high school diploma or their equivalency. And with Aspire Greater Cleveland, we're able to take these classes um, in person to the branches um, and also, in some cases, virtually so that they can be done from home um, and the branches that um, have these two classes, the GED or the ESOL, English as a Second Language, um, they're, they're conveniently located. We do morning classes. We do evening classes. And really, it's about getting um, your high school equivalency or becoming more um, comfortable um, speaking the English language for a variety of reasons, but especially for jobs. You know, we want Cuyahoga County to thrive, and we want a strong workforce, and we want people to feel comfortable and happy here. And offering these um, GED classes and ESL classes in a, um, you know, a judgment-free area where you just walk in in the library and um, go to your class, that's what we want to be about. We want to be here for the community. We want people to... Um, know that these resources, as far as books and information, classes to better yourself are also here, and you can come to the library and um, learn what you need to do to thrive and succeed. And, and uh, as always, these courses are free also, right? Yes, they are. Just, um, yep. They're free. I just love saying free. 
because yeah. uh, if we just you list down all of these things that are free, uh, I think I mentioned to you one time you could spend several lifetimes in the library doing things uh, free that uh, you just spend uh, your time learning and educating yourself. But uh, we're going to take a short break. We're talking to Lane Edwards. He's the manager over at Northrop and Branch of the Cuyahoga County Library. And uh, we're just sort of revealing and unveiling all of these services that you can get at the library that at least I wasn't aware of. So now you will all be aware of it all. So we'll take a short break. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back to Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of the Advocate for tonight. We're talking to Lane Edwards, the branch manager of the Cuyahoga County Library in North Ralston, Ohio, talking to us about all the services and benefits that are available at the public library here in Cuyahoga County. Lane, as always, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Nick. You know, the uh, I'm just amazed at all the things that you guys offer there. You have an early literacy program. In a nutshell, yeah. what what is that about, and who does it help? Yeah, so everyone knows that the library does story times well. Those aren't going away. We love our story times and serving all the kids' birth to age five. But we're also doing um, more focus groups like Baby Club, which um, brand new parents, you're kind of, you know, trying to navigate your way through things, and the Baby Club brings parents of the same um, parents, new parents of newborns together and connecting them with services in the area, and to just talk to other parents so they know they're not alone. So Baby Club has um, been very popular throughout our branches. Um, kindergarten Club, getting those kiddos ready to go to kindergarten and walk in there confident and knowing their numbers and knowing their shapes and knowing those basic early concepts all through our branches, all connecting with under kindergartners, making them feel comfortable. We want that first day of school to be great for those kids. Um, and then one, two, three, read. We are trying to make sure that the um, kids in our community are make, meeting that third grade reading um, goal. So one, two, three, read is at the libraries. We have volunteers who work with the kids to read. And we have a program coordinator who has a um, a curriculum so the kids, they are focused and they are working, but it's really another judgment-free zone for these kids to learn to read, to feel comfortable to reading, to not have any shame and not knowing a word or not reading some things on a page and thriving. We just want Cuyahoga County to thrive. I would think that uh, for retired people who are either teachers or wouldn't mind participating in a program, this would be a great volunteer program. Are you always looking for volunteers to help these programs? Yes, you know, especially with these one, two, three read programs, um, because we want the kids, you know, we don't want the attention divided. So we want kids to have that one-on-one person that they are just reading to and that person can help them. And, you know, it just makes the program all the better. So, yeah, always looking for good volunteers to um, help with these programs. Now, uh, along the same lines for the older kids, you offer homework help. Tell us about that. Yeah, at 10 of our branches, we have um, what we call homework centers, and essentially after school, Monday through Thursday, they are open about two and a half hours. 
Um, there's always a homework center coordinator who's not always, but usually um, a teacher working at one of the local school systems. And then we have um, tutors there. And um, the tutors are paid, but we also accept volunteers for the homework center as well. So any child, K through 8, can come into the homework center and get help in English, math, science, whatever. And we sit down, we help them. Those are usually, um, uh, you know, one tutor to about four students, but it works really well. I've seen it in action. Um, we feed the kiddos. They've got a little snack there. So they, we all know after school, sometimes you're starving after a big day of learning. And um, another um, comfortable environment with other kids with familiar faces and the tutors and the coordinators and the volunteers they can thrive so they can succeed and they're not stuck and not silently suffering because they don't want to they don't understand and don't want to ask the teacher and embarrass themselves another one of those those places they can really thrive have have you seen uh, kids really uh, progress and benefit by these programs absolutely we've seen kids that have been you know reading but reading at um you know at at behind where they should be um, and then really thriving because we make reading part of every day. We see the kiddos in math who are struggling and, you know, they come in and they're all excited with big smiles on their face because they got a perfect score on their, you know, math test or something like that. And it's just, it's it's heartwarming. And and that little community in that homework center is, uh, it's really great. It's really fantastic to watch. You know, going back some years, watching uh, the interest in, in reading with the Harry Potter series and that kind of thing, kids are, are into reading. And the library has a great books for kids list. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah. So every year, um, the library, we get the librarians together, a group of librarians, and we curate a list of um, books that we think are just fantastic reads. And, you know, everyone knows about, like you said, the Harry Potter and the people go gaga for the Harry Potter. So we try to put, get books that maybe aren't always on the shelves, but still are fantastic reads. So it's anything from fantasy to just humor, just realistic fiction and we go through all age levels and of course we want to connect parents and kids with good books for the house to so they're always reading but also we know especially around the end of the year during the holidays or just gift giving time people are saying what do i get for you know my my niece or my my grandson and this goes by age they are all fantastic books and um if you're really struggling because you haven't read um to a five-year-old or to a 12-year-old in a while, we do the work for you. And um, the list is available in our branch in physical form. You can come in and get a pick up a guide. You can also go to our website, CuyahogaLibrary.org, and the entire list is available there. My goodness. Well, that, I mean, educating kids and getting them interested in reading is just so important and, and so important for their futures as well. The, uh, but other things you guys offer at the library, these are community centers, actually, of, of activity. Um, if you need a passport, you don't have to look any farther than your library. Uh, what services do you provide for passports? Yes, yeah, so we are a full... Um full service passport stop. Um, We accept the new applications. We take your photo. We walk you through things. Um, Our staff here that are passport trained are are pretty fantastic. They know the books, um, the rules, all of that that will guide you through. 
And we're the best waiting room in Cuyahoga County as far as passports go because, you know, you're here with a family of five. You take the kids back to the um, kids' room to look at some books or um, play with some puzzles or whatever, and you're filling out the application when you're all set. We, we get the application processed. You're not just standing in line or standing in the corner waiting for us to process it. We're friendly. We'll get that photo taken. We mail it all off. And... Um, you know, there are longer times right now than normal, but then that passport will come right back to you. And again, our hours are also key. We're open seven days a week, so you can get your passport processed and going seven days a week right at your local branch. The uh, other resources you have, you have uh, video CDs, DVDs, and uh, you have ebooks. Uh, how readily available are they, and how expansive are your collections? Yeah, so we we consider ourselves a popular library. So we try to have the most popular books and the most popular movies in the branch um, to borrow um, when you walk in. We also have things called Prime Picks, which are those hottest titles um, that don't take hold so that you can walk in the building and maybe grab a copy of it. We also take those hottest picks, and you can place a hold on them so you don't have to run into the branch. It'll be waiting for you. Now, for eBooks. Same thing. If it's a popular book, we want to have it ready to go so you can borrow from your device from the comfort of your own home. Whether you're borrowing at 10 a.m. or 2 a.m., you can download and borrow um, an ebook or an e-audio book right to your device. Um, we also offer New York Times online, Wall Street Journal online, Consumer Reports, all online, free to use um, when you log in with your library um, account. Um, Ancestry, if you're doing some genealogy work, um, Ancestry, um, free to use with your library card. And LinkedIn Learning, which a lot of people um, don't know about, but is a fantastic service um, where you can learn skills, software. Um, Normally, it's a subscription to use, but if you go through the website, CuyahogaLibrary.org, and click Resources, enter your card number, LinkedIn Learning is a free service to use. Well, there's so, there's so much more. There's meeting rooms, there's computers people can use. If uh, you haven't been to the library for a long time like I haven't, uh, can you go to the library and will people give you a tour of all your resources? Absolutely. Our clerks, um, who usually will issue a library card, are very anxious to tell you, to tell you about all the services uh, we have to offer. But anyone in the building will be happy to show you around and talk to you about um, everything you can do here at the library, whether you said it's a meeting room or a study room down the way, or to hop on one of our computers to fax for free, to copy, um, to send an email, um, scan documents, whatever. That's we are right, very anxious. Right. Oh, very, very good. Lane Edwards, thank you so much for sharing with us what's going on in the libraries. And I recommend to all of our listeners uh, the next month get into the library and just walk around. Thank you so much. Lane, thank you so much, and have a, have a great week. Same to you. Thank you. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great, safe, and healthy week. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do 